felt like I was going to have a stroke the past few days, but I think I'm past that. I do feel kind of like whew, anxious right now, but I think it's the nicotine and coffee. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think I think that may have something to do with it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I took, I took a hit of this to try and like balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> Not feeling any better. Throw some weed on it. <laughs> and now I'm like woozy but anxious. <laughs> Great storytelling time. Let's go. Oh, man. I almost thought I could do it truly right now. But then I was like, you know what? That's definitely going to make you feel like shit. So no. <laughs> if the coffee and the nicotine and the weed didn't, for sure the alcohol will. <laughs> Oh, guys. Hello. What is up? Are you ready for this? Two sober episodes in a row. Yeah, let's hope we don't bore you to death. Let's hope we don't lose all of our followers. But hey, this is a side of us that you have never seen. This is Productive Kristen. Hello. Welcome. I am fucking had my coffee. I cleaned my room. I'm going to go to a yoga class later. Ooh. Oh my god. Hello. I am like, wow, I feel like a whole new person. I'm no longer depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here and I'm ready to podcast. Well, and this is Unproductive Sarah. It is bright and early over here, 11.30 a.m. And <laughs> so early for you, actually. <laughs> and I've had my coffee. Ooh, yes, Welcome. Welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, and mishaps while being two of them ourselves, which I realized while editing, we totally forgot to say the last episode. We were so fucking hungover and just out of it. <laughs> like the intro and the outro, I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> if anyone actually listened to that, congratulations. You actually won an award for having... <laughs> Round of applause. Your ble- ears not bleeding through that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ugh, so what so. are you drinking? <laughs> Just fucking water. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. Some topo. I'll put it in a nice little Yeti. Yeah. I nice. didn't want to overdo it with two cups of coffee. So. Um, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. I am already feeling like, woo, want to run, but we're just going to sit down and talk for an hour. It's going to be nice. What are you drinking? Coffee? Coffee. That's a cute little mug. Thank you. For those of you who can't see, my mug has a little painted picture of my dog, Bush, my husband, myself, and our other puppy that we had that passed away, and we're all sitting overlooking a lake and a mountain. It's so cute. So cute. And the other side says, love is a four-legged word. Savannah got us these when Hyde passed away. That's really cute. Yeah. Like I really do like that. Oh, I will never have anything sentimental like that in my life. But that's okay. <laughs> I have my child. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a big coffee cup, so it yeah, holds a lot. Cute. <laughs> holds all types of things, even maybe a shot of whiskey later on. Oh, 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 maybe spice it up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Not for I, but I used to do that. I used to love whiskey in my coffee. Not obviously every day, but... um 
like on vacations or special occasions, hell yeah, put some whiskey in my coffee. I think the one best whiskey drink we have had, I've had, you were there with me, was when we went to uh, Sushi Zushi and it was like raining outside and kind of gloomy. And I, or I don't know, maybe we were just like feeling under the weather and she was like, oh, let me make you a hottie toddy. Oh, the yeah. hottie toddy. I know, I used to Miss drink them that. too. I want it to be winter because I just, a hottie toddy sounds so good. But That bartender not, was so nice. It's so nice. I hope she's doing good. I know. Gave me so many free drinks. Hi, miss you. <laughs> come, come make me drunk again. I need you. I've been sober for fucking three days now. New world record. Hell yeah. I am. Um, well, I think the last time I didn't drink, what was it, like two or three days? And so, um, <laughs> no, I'm, we don't have a problem. <laughs> I well, when I was on vacation, that three week road trip, I swear there was only a few days where I didn't drink because when I'm on vacation, I'm out there tanning or at the pool. Yeah, I'm like, oh, let's go. I know and- we fucking drank <laughs> enough for three weeks. <laughs> so after that, I'm just like my body is in recovery mode, and I know I'm gonna feel like a glass of wine later, but I don't know if I'm gonna do it. We'll see if I cave. <laughs> we'll see next week though. I am assuming it's going to be a shit show because our tolerance is going to be low. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of slurring about two minutes in. It's going to be great. Oh, my goodness. So what story are you not killing my buzz with? Because I have none today. (laughs) Well, I will be talking about the cherub-faced killer. Oh. 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 I think I've heard this one. Maybe. Maybe. I'm excited. Yes. Yes. So, like I mentioned in the last episode that uh, I was staying in the Texas area, so this oh, does yeah. take place in Texas. Morbid just did a uh, their latest episode. They were talking about San Antonio for a little bit. Oh. Like, the guy was in San Antonio. That's so cool. I was like, oh my god, I, that's me. I live that's there. <laughs> love when we do places where I'm from. Yeah. Okay. so here we go late in the evening or night of July 26th 1993 James King was awoken from his sleep to the sound of a car horn honking outside of his house located Mm -hmm. in either Teleco, Texas or Garrett, Texas articles mentioned uh, you know, different articles mentioned either one, but the Forensic Files episode I watched, shout out, they said Teleco, so um, whatever. I don't even know where that is. But both are in Ellis County. Yeah, I meant to actually look it I up. I don't know where it. that is either. <laughs> they're both, yeah. Anyways, they're both in Ellis it's in County, Texas. so. It's Texas. It's Texas. So James King got out of bed and approached the front door to check on, you know, the noise outside. When he noticed his 14-year-old son, Brian, at the car talking to whoever was inside. So he figured his son probably knew this person or whatever, you know. So James went to the bathroom, and afterwards he looked outside again, and the car and his son were not there. And you said this was, like, late at night? Yeah. Um, like So, like, around midnight, probably-ish. So, like, midnight, and so this is when the dates come into play. It's the it's midnight on the 26th, so it basically turns into the 27th right 27th. away. So yeah. it's the 26th, 27th when this whole incident incident begins. Sorry. I mean, like, I don't know. Just 
14 years old. I'm trying to imagine if I would let Theodore do that at midnight. Right? Well, I'm I thinking know. my answer would oh. be no. I know. Or I'd at least be like, yo, what's up? You know? Because yeah, be like, my what first you... assumption would be like, hey, they're dropping Whose off car drugs. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you smoking the pots? Give yeah, me some. Something. <sighs> I mean, or, yeah. So if you're doing it, sorry. the bag is now mine. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you sharing? No. I need to. Con- you- I need to confiscate that. I, sir, <laughs> drugs are bad, and I'm going to take that, and you are going to ignore me smoking it. Okay. Simba, I'm so sorry, guys. No, it's okay. My cat. <laughs> if you hear moaning and groaning, it's not me this time. It's um, the dogs laying next to me. So. Yes, and sorry if you hear my cat. I'm stuck in a closet, and he really wants to get in. James waited up for about an hour to see if his son would come back home, but he ended up falling asleep. So that next morning when James King and his wife Donna Benjamin woke up, James's son wasn't home and neither was his stepsister, 13-year-old Christina Benjamin. James did and they, Donna. Sorry, did they know that she wasn't? Like, was she not supposed to be there? Was she supposed to be there? Yeah, she was supposed to be there because, er, like, the night previous... James, when he looked out the window, he only saw his son out there. So he didn't really know what was going on. But when they woke up the next oh, morning. Oh, and I guess it's like late at night. So he assumes that she's asleep in bed. Right. I oh, guess okay. he didn't check on. I don't know. Um, James and Donna were in a common law marriage. So Brian mm. is James's son from previously. And the same for Christina and Donna. Oh, okay. When they still didn't appear home for a few hours James and Donna really started to worry even though they were already worried um so they started to search you know the neighborhood or the local area for a little bit and ended up filing a missing persons report that same day but about two days later on July 29th the search for Brian and Christina came to a tragic halt I'm gonna give a little trigger warning because there is some graphic brutality involved, and uh, what I'll describe probably won't paint the prettiest picture in your minds. So, A roadwork crew came across the body of a nude adolescent girl in a remote, brushy field near Teleco. Mm. She was decapitated and missing her hands. She also had an autopsy-like incision down her body, which caused her organs to be exposed. Her nipples were also amputated. Dude. She also had a few stab wounds and a gun wound in her back, along with a few other mutilations to her body. So obviously making an immediate ID on this female body was impossible due to her condition. And while police were searching nearby for the girl's head, hands, clothing, any other evidence, they made another unexpected discovery. It was the body of a young boy. He was fully clothed, but he had been shot twice in the head. Police did find a library card in his pocket, which led to them making the identification of the body, who was Brian King. He seemingly had no other brutalization or other injuries, just the gunshot wounds. But remember... fucked. Yeah. Why why does it always more times than not the female that fucking gets I know. brutalized like and then later on you'll be like why was brian even there i don't know yeah I don't it's know. just uh i don't know because obviously I mean, the 
the crimes towards Christina and Brian were different. Are very different. So, and it's just the extent of, like, that major of a difference is just so mind-boggling. Like, honestly, if you were just going to shoot him, like, honestly, why was he there? Right. And and we'll probably, you know, theorize later probably why he was there. Um, but it just seems like such a ruthless, like, unnecessary... Obviously, both of them are unnecessary, but it seems like she was the obviously the main target. So yes. it's like, why is this 14-year-old even there if you're just going to, like, just simp him off like that? I mean, it's... Well, we'll get into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so also, remember, this is July in Texas, so the smoldering heat oh. also affected oh. decomp and the condition of the bodies. The smell of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so bad for the officers or the people yeah. that the road crew that found them. Oh my god. Texas heat is not a joke. No. Like <laughs> when investigators talk to James Bryan King regarding his son, he states that the female found could definitely be Christina because remember they haven't ID'd her yet. But it was obviously hard to confirm. I can't imagine that as a parent. Yeah. So the family provided an x-ray of a recent foot injury of Christina's, which matched the x-ray taken at the <gasps> autopsy of the body found. So with the help of medical records, the female was identified as Christina Benjamin. The autopsies also concluded that both Brian and Christina were shot by the same gun because 22 caliber, <laughs> caliber bullets were extracted from both of their bodies. The autopsy of Christina showed that she was not raped. I know we were all wondering that. That's good. Yeah. I mean, at least. At least. Jesus. Also, during the autopsy, a foreign blonde hair was found on Brian's body, as well as a foreign fiber on Brian's shoe. Hmm. Investigators and forensic scientists start to pull together evidence to try and profile their killer, the fiber that was found was tan on Brian's shoe, which mm-hmm. led forensic scientists to conclude that it came from a tan vehicle, perhaps, oh. or carpeting of some kind, you know? They, but they I immediately used... assumed a tan vehicle, so. Yeah, I used to have so much trust in, like, the fiber analysis, whatever, to get people arrested, but within the recent years, it has become like such a sham it's almost like the lie detector test yeah so well also with all the the newer cars and the different kinds of i think carpeting because uh in the forensic files episode when the dude was like we concluded that it was from a tan vehicle because he just started talking about how you know the makes are mostly japanese and mm. so it, it was just like really easy to link things together but now yeah. I think it's just gotten more complicated. It's just from what, like, I, I definitely know of cases where they find a fiber on the body and they're like, oh, it matches the carpet that was on this house. Like, I can think of so many cases right now where they do that. But just recently they've gone to show, like, even hair analysis, apparently, like comparing hairs and stuff. It's just not 
what we thought it was when we first discovered yeah. it. It's not as valid as we right. thought it was. And it's often it's so relied easy. on hard-hitting evidence. When yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it has put people in jail, long story short. And that's like, I, it's really, and that's why I compare it to a lie detector test. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. Like, that doesn't mean that that person did it. And it's, that's why I just, oh. I hate it. It's it's such a uh, like a loaded gun. I don't even know the proper term for it, but it's just one of those things where it's like I I used to get so excited when I heard fiber evidence, but now I'm just like, oh, it just creates more of like a gray area for the investigation in my mind. Right. The extreme brutalization of Christina suggested a crime of passion, hatred, or vengeance, meaning that the killer most likely knew her. Profilers from Quantico, Virginia, concluded that whoever did this was not committing a sexual crime because um, she wasn't raped, although he may have gotten off on it kind of sexually, like enjoyed it. Um, I could see that. Um, they also concluded that the person who did this had a history of animal mutilation. Mm-hmm. During the investigation, neighbors and friends told police that Christina was supposed to hang out with a guy named Jason the night she and her brother disappeared police also received an anonymous phone call with a tip to look into a jason eric massey so who is this jason massey you ask at the time of this crime he was a 20 year old high school dropout oh and she's 13 Mm mm-hmm uh mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so crazy because when you look at her photo like her stepbrother i guess he looks uh, way younger brother. he looks so much younger but he is a year older yeah. and she looks she looks like she could be like 16 right she looks like it's she's older so crazy but at the same time she's fucking 13 so keep your hands off of her exactly <laughs> jason massey was born january 7th 1973 jason and his sister grew up with a single mother who subjected them to abuse and neglect there weren't a bunch of details on his upbringing, just a few things and a few different sources. So, um, yeah. But apparently she liked to party and would apparently beat Jason um, and or his sister and deprive them of food. She would literally like, and again, apparently, supposedly, eat in front of her kids and not give them any, like tease them with food. Okay, that's, mm, yeah, you're fucked it, like, why do you, why have kids? What's yeah. the point? Like, well, she probably, it, yeah, I don't know. D- <clears throat> I would say adopt, but tune in next week as to why that may not be the best option. She would also weave him or them in the car while she went into bars and drank. And they also moved a lot from, like, shithole to shithole, you know, so it's yeah. just that kind of upbringing. Damn. By ninth grade, Jason apparently carried around an article about Charles Manson around school and stuff and looked up to Ted Bundy as a hero. Oh, so it took him no time to become an asshole himself. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love when people do that for themselves. His mom did become aware of her son's troubled behavior and consulted with professionals, you know, such as psychiatrists and stuff. Now she cares? Well... At least, shit. At least, because she came across some of Jason's notebooks that contained fantasies about rape and violent acts. Ooh, 
I mean, at least she wasn't that shitty of a mom to ignore it, but at right. the same time, maybe beating your son didn't help. Right. Or starving him. <laughs> maybe his, drove him to yeah. think dark things about women. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she, like, realized that and was like, fuck, you know? In 1991, at age 18, Jason had a short stint in the Dallas Dallas Psychiatric Intensive Care Unit due to being diagnosed with an antisocial personality disorder, as well as being an imminent threat to others. It's unclear how long he was there. I Like I just mentioned, it was a short stint. One article said short stint. Another said it could have been until 1993. And when um, did he get in? 1991. Oh. I mean... Mm. And I'll mention in a, in a little bit, a little more within the timeline, it kind of makes sense if he was there until 1993, because he does get in a little more trouble that same year. Um, so I'm wondering, I guess, like... Maybe from a person being a threat to society, uh, two years maybe like a short stint. Well, yeah, because let's hear what the psychiatrist who diagnosed him had to say about it. It was noted by the state psychiatrist, Dr. Kenneth Declava, who also testified later in court that someone who suffers from antisocial disorders to the extreme, such as someone like Jason, has mm-hmm. little hope for treatment and would remain a danger to themselves and others for like ever so so why did they let him go very interesting <laughs> I, i'm sorry so <laughs> so why is he out on the streets is exactly. that a, so um, why are we doing this well she or he sorry uh, the psychiatrist they they, <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned um we're a gender neutral podcast that okay? As one ages, they have the possibility to grow out of some of it, but other otherwise, there's like no treatment. So, it's so did they like let test them him? loose or keep them locked up forever? And I don't think I, they had a yeah, legit no, reason I, to keep them locked up forever at that point. Oh, like he hadn't killed anyone. He hasn't done anything that threatening. So let's just let him loose onto society until he does. Oh. Who knows? Okay, it was the 90s. I love. Love that rationality. Yeah, it, it, that explains a lot. (laughs) And by the time Jason was 20, his only convicted crime was a DWI. Wow. Um, But he was apparently involved in some petty crimes and had a history of stalking, harassment, theft. There we go. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, that's really impressive of him. (laughs) And abuse to animals. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds about right. That's more like it. In the late spring of 1993, Jason was stopped by police, and guess what was found in his car? Dead animals. Marijuana, a three-pronged knife, a diary that had names with check marks next to them, <gasps> and, trigger warning maybe, a dead Persian cat with a rope <gasps> around its neck. Um, this might have been the incidents where he got his DWI. It didn't clarify. It. Oh, oh. <laughs> but I kind that of is assume- more than a DWI in my mind. I'm so, color me fucking crazy. I that know, is not I, just um... because it said he got his DWI in 1993, and that's the same year he got stopped. And so I figure. He wouldn't have let go from that stop, and maybe they gave him a DWI. <sighs> he did spend 120 days in jail. 
Okay. That doesn't make me feel much better, though. <laughs> the murders happened. That 50- is not... It, I'm sorry. I, I can't get over that. That is not a GWI. That is... Mm. Yeah, well, they have That's, to have... Oh, God. Why can't we make a law? Can like, only, can we like, make... Write tickets I, and arrest for certain things, like, if you have conclusive... Like, I'm really creeped out by you, and I think you could be a murderer can we just oh my god i know we would abuse it but god damn that's just like oh that gave gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah um like i mentioned he spent 120 days in jail um by the time he got out the murders of brian and christina happened about 51 days later justin had golden blonde hair a button nose and was seemingly handsome to some. Um, Not to me. <laughs> but looks can be deceiving. <laughs> yes, they can. Jason's friends described him as kind of a sick dude and not in the cool uh, way. <laughs> oh, I was about to say. <laughs> sick, bruh. <laughs> yeah, like not that. He looks like one of those people that would talk like that. Yeah. I can't. Uh, so apparently... According to his friends, Jason would mutilate animals practically any chance he got and would keep their heads or skulls as trophies. Okay, why would you be friends with him? I'm sorry, I, I don't think... I, think <laughs> I don't that's know if there's our, any options out there. I it's think that's when our... People. If that was my option, I would just um, be alone. Yeah, as soon as you start doing that, Sarah, I'm sorry, I think that's where our friendship ends. <laughs> okay, I won't start doing that i promise (laughs) he jason apparently killed his first cat at age nine that he often openly talked about his brutal fantasies with girls with his friends why are you friends with him? yeah and the way they described it was that was just how he is he was just kind of weird so that's no you guys need to go see a therapist and figure out why that's not okay. Yeah. A couple of days before the discovery of the bodies, police received a call about a mutilated calf behind a McDonald's. <gasps> oh. Sorry, I maybe should have given a, another trigger warning. There's just a lot of um, mutilation okay, in the story. Let's be, on- so. let's be honest, I never give trigger warnings, and I probably should for my stories, but trigger warning here. It's all bad. <laughs> At the scene behind the McDonald's, um, or around the scene, they found a tan Subaru car and a bracelet on the ground with the name Jason on it. Ding, ding, ding. Jason was not at the scene. He, I think, maybe took off and ran off. Um, okay. But that's kind of the end of that little scenario. Like, nothing came from it, really. Oh. Yeah. They Were they, they, they like, didn't? They weren't able to, like, link the license plate or anything? There just or? wasn't a whole lot of informa- information oh. on it. So it, it happened, apparently. Yeah. So. It's an event. Um, it happened and we're moving It was on. just probably one of those things where... Oh, they just another prove. mutilated calf behind McDonald's. Yeah. Another well, Monday. They, they saw the car. They saw the bracelet. He wasn't there. So he couldn't... They couldn't exactly prove that he w- did anything. Did so nothing probably oh. came of it. After Jason's friends told police that Jason was an acquaintance of Christina's, and after receiving that anonymous tip, Jason becomes the main suspect. But there wasn't any hard-hitting evidence against him at this point. 
So he was questioned, and when he was shown crime scene photos of Christina, he started to gag and act super weird, which was suspicious. Yeah, like you're trying too hard. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't, like, put this in my notes, but the investigator that spoke in the Forensic Files episode, he was the one who questioned James, and he said that he put, like, a picture of Christina in front of him and said something like, did she look this pretty that night you picked her up or whatever? Like, he showed a picture of her dead body to him and was like, did she look that pretty or something? Or maybe he showed both of her pictures and made some kind of weird comment, and that just, like... He's, uh, James start James Jason started acting suspicious. Oh! After that, police got a warrant to impound Jason's tan Subaru and to collect samples of his hair. They collected carpet samples from his vehicle to compare to the fiber that they found on Brian's shoe, and they also noticed three stains in the back seat, which tested positive as being human blood. Also, in Jason's trunk, they found a leaf with blood on it, as well as duct tape and either a hammer or just the hammer head, I don't know, that both had blood on them, the tape and the hammer. A hunting knife and a set of handcuffs was also found, and I did read in one source that they also found a receipt for twenty-two caliber ammunition. Oh. Yeah. Another ding, ding, ding. Right. <laughs> So when the blood stains on uh, sorry sorry when the blood stains in Jason's back seat were analyzed, they had to be compared to Brian and Christina's biological parents because both Christina and Brian's bodies were too badly decomposed to compare blood samples to. Oh. But the testing did conclude that the blood was um, Christina's, and I think maybe Brian's. It didn't, like, say for sure? Well, like, the way they worded it worded it made it sound like it was just Christina's. Um, but then when they describe what they happened, like, the timeline and of the events, there's got to be some of Brian's blood in there. Like, there has yeah. to be. Yeah. So, um, it wasn't super specific, but I assume it was... I mean, if they can find or... one, then they can probably yeah. tie it to and the other, also, but... Also, what they describe what happens later... We don't know why there would be Christina's blood in the back seat because, I don't know, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Because we, we still don't know what really happened. They just say what they think happens, so. Yeah. Ugh. What a dick. I hate mm. Yeah. This guy's a sicko, so. As far as the gun used in the crimes, Jason's cousin owned a twenty two caliber pistol that he stored at his grandma's house, and it had gotten borrowed without his knowledge. I love when they're so obvious about it. Yeah. Um, During the investigation, police received another phone call with a tip. It was a person who said they saw Jason cleaning out his vehicle inside and out at the local car wash around the time of, like, the murders. So police went to search the vacuums and trash cans that he was using at this car wash in hopes to find any extra evidence. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't find too much, you know, like nothing crazy, but it's enough, I guess. They like to at least prove he was there. I don't know. To tie him, yeah, Yeah. to that location. They found an appointment card slash business card for Jason's probation officer, as well as a bandana with blonde hair fibers on them, 
which uh, were microscopically similar to Christina's. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. Like, and then I think they also mentioned finding a payroll receipt from Kentucky Fried Chicken or something with oh, Jason's okay. name on it. The next step was to confirm the time of deaths and kind of come up with a timeline for the occurrences that night. So, uh, scientists studied the larvae, larvae, larva, larva, found Lar- <laughs> larvae, larvae found on christina's slugs <laughs> worm uh, worms oh, uh, mosquito eggs yeah. um f- they studied the larva found on brian and christina's bodies <laughs> don't go to this podcast if you want credible words <laughs> used on this show and basically they were able to study the larva to come up with their time of death because they could study the eggs and everything to see how long they were there on the bodies and it's crazy science stuff. Science. So the time of death was concluded as two days before they were discovered. Um, mm. And this kind of matches up with James King's statements about when Brian and Christina went missing. Mm-hmm. We also learn that about 10 days before Christina and Brian went missing... Christina was introduced to Jason Massey by a mutual friend. Shame on that friend. I mean, no, don't shame that friend. But why are you introducing a 13-year-old to a 20-year-old? How old is that friend? Did they know that that boy was 20? Like, Yeah. Because remember, it was mentioned by one of Jason's friends or multiple that him and Christina were acquaintances. And this is where we learn how they met. And everyone who is acquainted, acquaintanced with this fucking dude knows how fucking sick he is and how he writes in his journal about torturing and raping women like seriously oh this i know i know a great guy to introduce you to hey meet my friend jason like what the actual fuck Mm -hmm. yeah this friend knew christina and apparently one night uh him and jason were driving around and he was like oh let's meet up with christina And this friend is telling police all of this. So he told police that he and Jason met up with Christina once, which is where her and Jason first met and started flirting. Mm. And remember, he's 20 and she's 13. She is a fucking minor. Get your hands off of her. This is also when Jason and Christina made plans to sneak Christina out soon so they could hang out. She apparently proposed the idea and was like, hey, I want to sneak out soon. Like, are you down? And he was like, yeah. So they made plans to hang out and sneak out, sneak her out. Yeah. I remember being 13. Mm -hmm. It's so sad because when you were 13, like, that is the coolest thing in the world to you. There's, like. uh, I could not sneak out. My my dogs barked way too loud. I mean, I couldn't sneak out, but uh, I definitely. Went to orchestra to camp and didn't go. <laughs> but it's just like, that's like the fucking, when you are in high school and you have like an older guy that likes you, like that is just the coolest thing in the world. I don't know why we glamorize it so right. hard, but it's just like the bee's knees and you're like, yeah, I'll, like, of course, let's go. And then they can buy alcohol and you're just like, to you, it's so cool. But, oh. I don't know why we glamorize it so hard. It needs to not be a thing anymore. Like, we need to understand, or, like, these men don't have 
any like oh I don't I can't uh I'm trying to form a thought but I can't it's just <laughs> like it <laughs> it's just like so insane how the how the turntables turn <laughs> how the tables turn how the turned tables <laughs> So with all of this evidence on the table, James Massey was arrested on capital murder charges and pled not guilty. Of course. Of course. He was described as quote-unquote normal and polite when he spoke with investigators. And because he was kind of good-looking, like I said to some people, caused worry because good looks can often sway the jury. I hate that. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. (laughs) But what evidence they did have definitely pointed to Massey. So he was indicted in March of 1994. But before the trial ended, a discovery was made that would only create a stronger case against Jason. Because, you know, going over the evidence, what we have so far, it is mostly fiber, hair, and blood analysis that wasn't even directly... uh, like linked linked through like their actual blood whatever you know what i mean so this new evidence definitely helped grab a better picture of who this sicko was basically uh so one day a hunter was walking through the woods and came across something odd it was a cooler full about full of about 31 animal skulls (gasps) oh And journals belonging to Jason Massey. I think it was maybe three or four journals. Mm. The journals revealed Jason's animalistic behaviors and fantasies, such as animal mutilation and his fantasies about killing little girls. That's so... And throughout the journals, you know, it it goes from fantasies to actual, like, thought-out plans of how he could kill someone. You just see, like, the... The shift, kind of. Yeah. And um, the journals also had held Jason's dreams of becoming the most famous serial killer in America. In October of 1996, the jury deliberated for 15 minutes before finding Jason guilty. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. That has to be a world record. Yeah. Honestly, that's not... <laughs> They're like, yep, all right, we're all on the same page. Uh, they're like, cool. <laughs> I, I, like, as soon as the judge was like, do you need to, okay, go and, and deliberate, I'd be like, no, no, we don't need to. Yeah, we are, like, we're good. We already know. <laughs> we're good. He's, he's guilty. Like, everyone just gave each other the look, and they're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> he was sentenced with execution by lethal injection. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, apparently when <laughs> they were like, fuck that. <laughs> Apparently, when he was sentenced, the judge made a comment about how Jason's death would be way more humane than the acts he committed. Um, Honestly. The courtroom apparently, like, stood up and clapped for the judge when he said that and stuff. Oh, shit. (laughs) These people, yeah, they were fucking over it. Like, we, (laughs) there's no respect for you anymore. Like, we are going to let it be known how much of an asshole you are. So, I'm going to go over... Uh, the kind of uh, uh, timeline of events that investigators believe took place. Mm -hmm. So they believe that Jason helped Christina and Brian sneak out about midnight on the 26th to hang out and go back roading. 
And, you know, we mentioned at the beginning why we thought Brian was there. And I honestly just think that maybe he didn't think Christina should go alone or he was just being like a big brother. Or maybe he just wanted to go out and have fun, too. And maybe like Jason wasn't expecting that. I don't know. Um, So they want to go hang out and go back roading Texas uh but it's that's like literally something i did in high school yeah. which is so it really just like makes it sink it gives you that pit yeah. of like that's a night no jason obviously had other intentions though <sighs> so once they got to the remote location kind of where the bodies were found it is believed that jason shot brian twice at close range inside the vehicle pushed his body out to fall on the ground and this is when maybe Christina is believed to have gotten out of the car to run away when Jason mm-hmm. shot her once in the back. Mm-hmm. The gunshot wound wasn't fatal. So this is when it is believed that he stabbed her and then mutilated Christina post-mortem. At least it was post-mortem. Yeah. Her head, hands, and clothing were never found. Oh. So Brian and Christina both passed away at the hands of a sick and brutal monster in the yeah, early hours did. of July 27th, 1993. Ugh. Jason died of execution by lethal injection on April 4th, two, 2001 at the age of 28. And Damn, they didn't even put him on death row for that long. Typically it's like 20 years. He was on death row for, I believe, like six and a half. Yeah. Damn. Um, within his last statement or last words, he, he apologized to the family. He admitted Mm -hmm. that he threw Christina's body parts in Trinity river. And he also told the family that like, she didn't suffer like you think she did. You know, he kind of admitted that he definitely brutalized her when postmortem. Postmortem. Um, it was kind of a lengthy last statement, and I, I'm Ugh. just like, eh, okay. Not and then even, he mentioned yeah. um, the Bible and stuff, and, like, oh, religion. Mm. I'm like, okay. You don't, mm. <laughs> Why even? I. So, y'all know, normally we like to give uh, the victims their their time and talk a little more about them and, uh, and remembrance and stuff. I couldn't find a lot or a whole lot or anything really on who Brian and Christina were as people. Um, unfortunately. So I'm just going to give y'all just a little details. Brian was actually uh, born James Brian King. And remember his father is James King as well. So that's Mm -hmm. why he went by his middle name, Brian. He was born on September 3rd, 1978 and was 14 when he passed away. Christina and Benjamin was born August 30th, 1979, and was 13 when she passed away. Both Brian and Christina were innocent young kids, and their families were left in anguish, obviously. I, I do believe Brian had at least one other sibling, but they I think she was maybe a little older. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they left behind families and people who obviously were distraught over their deaths and yeah, cared and loved them unfortunately jason massey carried out some of his sick fantasies and seeing as how he admired serial killers and wanted to be like the most famous one in america 
if he didn't get caught, I truly believe he would try and carry that out. He would have, yeah. And which is, I, I really hate saying it, but it's, I'm glad at the end of the day that it was just these two souls like i obviously this should have never happened but this guy without a doubt like he would have done this again if he hadn't have gotten caught but thankfully he was stupid enough to where he was just being so obvious about what he was doing that he was able to get caught right away but it's yeah it's so fucking heartbreaking to know that he was just like brian was just being a good older brother and it's so sad that there were so many moments where it could have turned around and it's just like oh yeah. man it really breaks my heart like and they just had everything going for them yeah sorry just one last thing on why he's dubbed the cherub faced killer just because um like i mentioned he had a button nose kind of a baby face like a little bit of chubby cheeks a little bit of rosy cheek action and I think that was uh, just because he maybe looked a little more innocent than he actually was. I think that's yeah, why he was dubbed the chair-faced killer. So when yeah, when you look at him, he does not look like someone who had just mutilated right a body. It's I think yeah, it's that's what makes it so terrifying and ugh, it's disgusting. But it makes sense, I guess, why he would. Uh, relate so much to Ted Bundy I guess because he could relate to being sweet and luring in women with looks and charms and I think he really just wanted to like emulate that and be that which it's one thing to be interested in true crime it's a whole nother thing to like uh what is it praise these serial killers and want to emulate what they do like that's just not what this is fucking about like it's just so sick right yeah and uh luckily this is one of those cases where he got caught and put away very quickly mm-hmm. and uh we don't have to worry about him ever again yep so. yep fucking cheers to that cheers, cheers to, to that. me not liking blonde-haired guys so i will never have to fall for this asshole oh yeah Cheers to a day recording. <laughs> Cheers to being a really productive podcasters for once in our lives. Because holy shit, guys. Stay tuned next episode, though. It's not going to be like that. Yeah, guys. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Follow us on socials if you haven't at R-A-R-W Podcast please and give us five stars maybe give us a comment tell us why you like us <laughs> i mean i like com- compliments me too we deserve it we do we do yes look at us <laughs> <laughs> becoming better versions of ourselves yes i've been taking a lot of yoga namaste bye, bye. <laughs>